Well, hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Today, we're going to be talking about marketing your brand, specifically email marketing, a massive topic uh, and an incredibly important topic if you're going to master the world of e-commerce. And to talk with us about that today, we've got Abby from Get Response. Abby, welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a, a insightful episode because uh, obviously get response are a huge uh, email service provider and I've got a lot of knowledge in the space and you've been with them I understand a, a long time which we'll get into in a minute and so there's going to sure. be uh, yeah lots of knowledge bombs in this episode for people to to pick up and apply to their businesses uh, before we do dive into the meat of talking about email marketing give us a bit of that background what have you been up to and uh, tell us tell us a bit of your story for sure. Yeah, yeah. I hope to definitely get at least some, some mini knowledge bombs out there today, <laughs> the best that I can share. But so, yeah, so I, um, you know, kind of entered into the SaaS world, in particular, the email marketing world back in 2012, which feels like an eternity ago. Uh, but, you know, I was really in a customer facing role with GetResponse and that really set the stage, I think, for everything that I've done subsequently, because it gives you that essential foundation of like the day to day experience the bright spots, the low spots that customers are having, both in terms of using a tool, using a product, but then just what gets them excited, what actually you know motivates people to actually make progressive, positive iterations on the way that they do things, on the way that they market. Uh, so that was really foundational for you know uh, a young person right out of college to actually then see how professionals are all just trying to learn new things and try to mm. figure out how to use the resources and tools that they have to be successful. And, you know, your email marketing or your product is just one small piece of this human being's entire, yeah, you yeah. know, day, both professionally and personally. So that was a like super foundational experience. And in 2016, I made the pivot into product marketing and have definitely never looked back. And so I definitely always, when I talk to people about product marketing and how to get into it, cause it's been kind of a, an emerging, I would say, unit, I would say, in, in marketing and product worlds in the last few years. And I think mm. so many people come into it from customer success, customer facing roles or prospect and sales facing roles, because you have to really balance these core pieces of dealing with humans and communicating in ways mm. that humans respond to, but also then knowing actually how a product actually works in a way that delivers value. So, mm. um, and from you know product marketing perspective, it really just helps you scale, scale what it is that you know a lot of to more people uh, in a more impactful way for like business outcomes, which is kind yeah. of an addicting piece for me for product marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah so then since 2016, and you know I've been working for like bootstrap, self-funded organizations all the way to like you know Series A venture, venture capital-funded Wild West startups, and you know. <laughs> They're both huge learning experiences that I, you know, have taken so much from, but it, it leads me back to where I started Get Response as Director of Product Marketing um, to really focus on how to be super strategic with the way we position our products and how we talk about them. Yeah, yeah. And so you've been over the uh, two or the different spans of time with Get Response with them for, for a long time, uh, quite a number of yeah, years, yeah. which is quite rare, really, in, in today's day and age. What, what do you yeah. put that down to? What's the what's the secret to a, a long lasting role? Yeah, it's true. It is rare. It gave me a, quite some imposter syndrome, for sure, to actually stay when I saw peers everywhere, like job hopping every year and a half or two years. But for me, it just really comes with 
the people that the people that you work with in particular and that you all, that you all feel you're working together toward like a common goal and that you're there to support mm -hmm. each other and so that is a huge motivator for me to stay where i have really trusted yeah. relationships with people that i respect and admire that do really talented good work and who are always yeah. looking to improve so that's definitely what that's... what kept me there for so long but then i took a little foray out into you know startup world which was super cool just because i wanted to you know stretch my wings and, and get some new experiences but it then brought me back i you know i will actually return to get response after after leaving just because again I learned so much and I care so much about the organization that I wanted to just then apply the things that I've learned, you know, yeah. at this organization that I care so much about. Yeah. Well, that's a great vouch for get response as a company. So, um, <laughs> sure. that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, and just to round out the, uh, the knowledge of getting to know you a little bit more, like to do our favorite five slot, our quick fire yeah. rundown of a few of your favorite things in the world of e-commerce or the world of digital marketing. Um, so firstly, do you have a favorite e-commerce brand? I do, and it's relatively new. Okay. Uh, it's one that actually my my husband uh, kind of talked to me about because he was looking at this T-shirt uh, mm -hmm. that he was looking for because it's called Threadheads, and it's just like, you know, it's an online T-shirt shop basically. Okay. Uh, but so he's going to get a T-shirt next week for his birthday. But nice. it's kind of was taking custom T-shirt printing operation out of Australia back in 2017, and they're now like this global multi-million dollar success story. Um, and so what? Number one, I like them just because they've got really cool t-shirts that I enjoyed, you know, and purchased along with something for my husband. But then I also really liked when I started looking into them more just after browsing their website and making a couple of purchases is, you know, there's a bunch of custom printing t-shirt businesses mm. out there, right? Like there are mm. a plenty. But what I really like and how they seem to actually really scale their business without watering down the value that they were providing their first core set of customers back in 2017. And for me, that really was just from just kind of a professional nerd who thinks about mm. these types of things, even when they're just buying a t-shirt for a birthday present, was how it is possible to scale, to actually enter new markets, grow mm. your business without watering down what made you different and special in the first place. You know, and like, there's so much of an weird instinct i think to just like melt into a sea of sameness and just become yeah. some random generic t-shirt printing company and that's what you have to do to grow and i yeah. really liked how they have expanded i think they have some mm. other niches that that they you know are able to sell to and you know those are the types of designs that they're printing but they really seem to not have abandoned their core supporters and like the core reasons they were out there to originally provide like kind of cool retro style yeah. t-shirts and so Kind of like the way they've remained distinctive while massively scaling i thought was pretty admirable mm, very cool yeah i, I love your breakdown yeah, yeah. um you sound like me and i just whenever i go on a brand's website i kind of feel like i have to tear down everything they're doing take away <laughs> these little bits of yeah. inspiration i've got this like one google doc that's just like uh you know uh, ideas that i just see on different people's websites that i just kind of note down yeah. oh, i should try this i should imp implement that and i'm constantly doing that and it sounds like you uh, you might be the same so it's good i love it yeah it's like a it's a, it's a weird addiction and now mm. i'm hoping you know the, there will be some magical gpt type technology that will help me actually implement all these things that <laughs> yeah. are saved on yeah. my mini platforms to actually start yeah. putting them into into action that's the next Absolutely. big hurdle yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully that comes about. If anybody's listening and can create that for us, we'd appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sure it will. GPT five. That's good. Okay, doke. All right. Have you got a favorite software or tool that helps you run your business or life? Yeah, there's there's two. The one I'll mention is you know not to melt into my own sea of sameness, but 
chat GPT, like mm. it's open on my tab since it's launched every day. And mm. I can't imagine it's now not being present and how much time it is saving me. I feel so much more effective and productive, not wasting time on generating very replicable manual responses to things mm. like, yeah. you know, working in a big organization, we do lots of, lots of award you know, we, we submit lots of awards. We, you know, contact so many different types of people and, you know, mm. being kind of a, at a director level of product marketing, we want to really make sure that our message is consistent and coherent. So a lot gets filtered through me, right. To make sure we're really on point as we're looking to reposition ourselves a little bit. And I would have spent a countless amount of days actually trying to rack my own brain. Is this consistent? Is this the way to actually this first part, this first introduction paragraph is not specific to our tool. I just need mm. help executing the first three sentences of this. And then yeah. I know the rest of it that's custom to us by heart. So yeah. it saved me time, but my forever love is my Google calendar. I'm obsessed mm. with my color coded system. I can't imagine my life without my Google calendar. I just love yeah, it. I like it. I love it. I love a bit of color coding. That's good. Sounds I good. can't stop. It's, it runs my life. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of ChatGPT, they just announced GPT-4. Uh, have you given yes. that a spin yet? I haven't, but I've read all the LinkedIn roundups that exist that <laughs> yeah. you know, pop up the you know, within 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> copious. Crazy. But no. it is cool because, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of, you know, we do a ton of website work. We do a lot of mock-ups with our team and new ideas. And I'm just like, so, of course, that, that big innovation is like taking a sketch, you know, yeah. taking a, just a... Crazy. A paper sketch of a website and creating mm. a mock-up is like would would change so mm. much about the way that we're actually mm. speeding I up the ways it, in which we can was, go to market. Yeah, it was it was even like a functional web web page. I think like, I think you could click the button. That's true. It wasn't even it a mock-up. And, yeah, I think yeah, it was, yeah. It's, it's just crazy. It's coded. Really crazy. Yeah, yeah. Mental, <laughs> mental. It's it's nuts. It's super yeah. nuts. Okay, Um What about favorite organic marketing channel? I, I would say LinkedIn, and that's both for myself as a professional who's looking mm -hmm. to develop, learn from all these people who seem to have magical AI tools themselves to create all their recaps uh, to help me uh, digest all the news out there. But then also for, uh, you know, as a part of a business that targets B2B marketers, that targets people who are on LinkedIn mm -hmm. uh, directly, because there's like countless tales of CEO driven organic strategies on LinkedIn or solopreneurs who like double down on their organic LinkedIn posting by being consistent and super valuable with the information that they're sharing on LinkedIn. Mm. And that just turns around to be the like, most consistent customer attributed model or mm. source for why they signed up for their service, why they signed up for their demo or whatever it is. And it just, yeah. it's being consistent and relevant in the right place i mean it's that core marketing foundation that just be in yeah, the yeah. right place and say the right stuff to the right people and linkedin is i think a big place for that in particular for mm. for b2b yeah yeah i think it's definitely a massively underrated channel for, for b2b especially as you say um yeah. how about pay paid marketing do you do you run much do you have a favorite paid marketing channel yeah and and this is a new one she's new but youtube she's new for us in terms of doubling down on paid um, we're seeing lots of opportunities just from a like get response uh, specific uh, mm -hmm. realm there because our audience is hungry for bite-sized educational content in the form of video and they're on mm -hmm. YouTube. So we are definitely okay. like doubling down on investments and related to pay nice. on YouTube. Nice. Yeah. Good, good. Okay. And how, finally, how about a business book? Do you have a favorite business book? 
I do. And I've had, it's been the same for a few years now and I recommend it always. It's April Dunford's obviously awesome. It's called how to nail product positioning. So customers get it, buy it and love it. Um, it's endlessly useful, referenceable. I pull it off of my shelf, like a hard copy, Mm. if not once a quarter, every six months, because positioning of your product of your service of what it is you want customers to buy is not static. It needs to change as like one of the, as any one of the five core components of positioning changes, like your competitive alternatives, your target customer segment, you know, your value proposition as your tool develops or whatever it is, your product, your <laughs> positioning needs to change. It's not a static thing. And so that thing is as a, you know, product marketer, that's so much of what we're doing, right. That dictates so much yeah. of how you go to the, go to market. So it's so useful. There's, I just reference it constantly. It's a good refresh mm. and it really helps me remember how to be specific and not treat positioning of your product and its value as like a, a one-time exercise that you do and yeah. then it's done forever. So it's Yeah, really good, helpful. really good. It sounds like yeah. it would be um, re- yeah, really good for e-commerce uh, business owners as well. Like you say, product positioning is is so key and so um yeah that sounds like a great recommendation i'll be picking that up myself i've not not heard of that before yeah. so that's a yeah, good recommendation yeah it's super helpful yeah to, to be fully good. honest and transparent it is bigger on b2b a bit which you know unfortunately mo- a lot of my expertise is uh but still it has foundations of, of selling any type of product there i yeah, think yeah. is super valuable yeah definitely definitely sounds good okay like, well um Let's let's talk about email marketing. Um, that's yeah. obviously uh, another area of your uh, sort of expertise, and um, it's going to be something that a lot of our sellers, particularly if they're new to e-commerce, they're just kind of in the first year or two. Email marketing is something that takes a while to grapple with. Uh, you know how I do it, what are the best practices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're obviously going to talk about some of the more um, bigger picture, big data AI stuff in it shortly, but just to be begin with um you you know for anybody that's beginning with email marketing or wants to level up that email marketing game um how should brands be taking you know more of a data-driven approach that's i know that's a strength of yours how how do they do that take a data-driven approach to really shape their email marketing strategy sure yeah and you know in this day and age in particular if you're using a a marketing provider if you're using a you know an email marketing service provider you have built-in data once mm. you actually start sending emails and really what from my opinion it's you know data driven you know is a big broad term but it really just means that you're being intentional and specific about what you're sending to who and when and you're just using information that you have and the information that you have either is this zero party data so the customers your subscribers give this information to you they respond to a survey to a poll, whenever they sign up for your newsletter or purchase a product, they give you information that then, depending on where you're located, you know, they, you, there's various ways in which you have the consent to utilize that data and how you can use it. That's a whole other podcast. That's, yeah, that's not exactly the topic episode, for today. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. So you have that data that they're giving you, and then you have this first party data, right? It's Which is basically the information about how they are interacting with your own digital assets, how they interact with your emails, with your website, with other assets that they are able to engage with, right? And so there's two very important data sources that you have that you have as a result of having a customer or having a subscriber. 
And then, as I mentioned, if you have an email service provider and you send them an email, you have an inherent amount of data about what they did with that email or what they didn't do. And that should all just be giving you ways in which you can start experimenting or thinking about, is this email having the result that I want, which is usually somebody opens it, they click a link that you have in it, and then they go and engage further with whatever it is that you've linked to they look yeah. at your product, they download your ebook, your offering, or they purchase your product, right? And so you yeah. should then just start looking at how your emails are performing. Like, are they opening? Or are they clicking? Am I using and sending the information to people based on the information I have? Maybe your form says, hey, you want to hear more when they're purchasing your product? Want to stay in touch with us? And then how often do you want to hear from us? Daily, weekly, monthly? That's a pre-built segment that you then should create to make sure you only email the weekly people newsletter or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So it's as simple as that or as complex as making some predictive recommendations about what products they should buy based on previous products they've looked at. But yeah. getting the core foundations right of meeting people, meeting people's expectations or being relevant using the data that they gave you is table stakes. So just yeah. like what information have they given you and how are you using it to make sure that you're being relevant? And then how are you responding to their behavior? Yeah. Are you finding it harder to get accurate first-party data with changes with uh, privacy? You know, obviously Apple well-documented to be making a lot of changes with iOS. Is, is that impacting the delivery of this uh, approach? It, it certainly is in particular with like, in you know, with the, you know, Apple update related to like, you know, open, you know, pixel tracking and, and mm -hmm. the changes that they make to be able to track how people open your emails is a huge one, right? It's a, that's a huge engagement metric that we were using for years to actually mm. be able to effectively monitor and gauge whether your contacts are actually interested in the content that you're sending them. So it's greatly changing. Yeah, like email marketers and all of us marketers are walking very fuzzy lines, very difficult pathways to know, are we, be, are we safe? Are we using this data effectively? I think it's one way that using an email service provider helps you because we mm. are required to adhere to all these policies and make sure that customers do not um you know overstep these policies and so i think you also have a, a level of safety there by by working directly with a platform that's required to do so and help you be compliant that's one particular thing but mm -hmm. it's another emphasis of that if you feel like you really are building a relationship with your customers and actually want to send them valuable content you should be and you then subsequently do provide them with valuable content and not just spamming them with your offers if you build a relationship and people see value from giving you data, they will give you more data that results in them getting better experiences or better content mm. from you. So I think it's really about coming at it from a really positive intention on your side about what the purpose of your emails are. And that's why I think we'll get into this subsequently about yeah. what successful people do, right? Mm. What successful e-commerce folks do with email yeah. marketing. but. It's just like, are you using that data in a good faith way to actually send better stuff to your customers? Yeah. Because then they're going to give you more and you can use it more effectively. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you have asked my next question there, which is, um, <laughs> you, you know, taking this together. Obviously, you've got a lot of clients in a lot of different industries. But if there was like a you know, 80, 20 of what e-commerce sellers are doing to be successful with e email marketing, your most successful e-commerce uh, e clients, are there some, you know, big picture key things that everyone's doing that's helping them succeed with email marketing right now? Sure. And 
you know, to be fair, I would say this is relevant, as you mentioned, for other industries, but yeah. it's also hyper relevant for e-commerce businesses. And it's getting that first email right. The first email that you send after they purchase your product, you know, and I don't mean the confirmation message, like your order has gone through. It's, you know, most likely then people purchase and they join your mailing list. Mm. Getting that email right, getting the first email that you send to your, you know, subscribers on your mailing list will make or break all of the future like benefits or value that you're going to get from emailing this customer because this is your chance like we see open rates have the highest excuse me open rates welcome messages the first message you send to your new subscriber or customer always have the best and highest open rates click through rates click to open rates lowest unsubscribe rates because they're most directly related to an action that that person mm. just took either subscribing yeah. or purchasing so this is your moment to actually prove to them and validate their behavior that they've done. And what you should use is use any of the zero or first party data that you have to make that email great and to validate that they have done something good here where they're expecting this email from you. So they open it and then you further delight them with relevant information about them, about what other types of information they may, they may want, what other type of products they may be interested in, what other customers like them have seen value or actually you know, done with this product to further be successful in themselves. So you really have to subsequently prove yourself and not kind of rest fat that you just made a sale or you made a subscription and like, here's my deal. You know, Don't go into mm -hmm. that first email about, well, here's all about us and here's all about me. It's further validating why you made the right decision with that behavior that you just took, subscribing or purchasing their product because if you miss this one, the, the chances that they open your next email, even if it's got some really cool stuff in it, are greatly diminished if you don't nail that first email that you sent them. And you know, we work with a really cool, small like uh, coffee shop that they mm -hmm. you know sell lots of cool coffees and teas. And that was their big focus was getting their welcome message correct. And like mm -hmm. now, fifty four percent of their sales come from this one first welcome educational wow. campaign. That then dictates over half of the wow. e-commerce sales that they're getting is from that first one, the, the first email that they send. But it's it's the opportunity that they have, right? Mm. And then, and if you miss it, if you you know miss your shot on that first uh, opportunity to get in their inbox and engage with them, you're on the back foot, I guess, yeah, yeah. really to get back in their good graces. Even if you have a ton of really cool automations and segments, a lot of cool content, the likelihood that they open your email on top of the thousands of other emails they get are, you know, yeah. diminished. Yeah. First impressions are so key. <laughs> it is for, for any brand, but definitely for mm. e-commerce, right? Because mm. we all know there's a lot of, there's a lot of emails in those inboxes. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I saw someone yeah. today on, on Instagram, they kind of were having a competition with their friend and they posted a screenshot and their email app had like 200,000 unread emails. I was like, I did not realize the number badge went that high. That crazy. Just burn it down, I think. Start over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. Talking yeah. of um, big numbers, big, uh, yeah, big data, AI is something that we've obviously talked a little bit about already in the episode, and something as a you know large um, email service provider, GetResponse, will be leaning leaning into a lot. How are these yeah. aspects changing? email marketing how how is it changing how how should the e-commerce uh, email marketer be you know looking at the next five years what's taking place this is feels like quite a monumental shift that's happening in the world of tech right now can you kind of speak to us uh, about that a bit for sure and I'll, I'll start on the 
the, the, the lighter approach, I would say, just in terms sure. of like time savings and efficiency, like what I kind of referenced with, with me as a marketer having chat GPT open all the time, because I think it was the CMO of a Zapier that said on LinkedIn, like marketers won't be replaced by AI, but marketers not using AI will be replaced by marketers that use AI, which okay. basically means you're going to be behind on your game if you just kind of like turn up, turn your back on this tool that pretty much everybody that's forward thinking is already adopting so that it saves them time on manual repetitive tasks and they can use their wonderful actual human intelligence on other things that humans can do well. Because like, you know, like Adobe did a big like research already, like 62% increase in productivity for companies that use AI for content generation. So now I'm thinking about how brand builders, how e-commerce owners, should be saving their time on all of the content you need to create because we all know we've heard the table stakes requirements of generating relevant content for your audience that is you know adjacent to your product offerings and value but is not directly selling to them you have to create a lot of content all the time mm. and it takes a lot of time to do that mm. like i think you know there was like 80 percent decrease in content creation time was like another study 48 percent higher click-through rates i think hubspot did hubspot did mm. their own um reporting on that. So all the signs are pointing to use AI tools to create your content. It will save you time and it will actually be better than a lot of the stuff that you can create. Yeah. And so I definitely think the first most immediate way that AI is going to start improving this and is already starting to improve is definitely in the content of your emails, the content that you're actually sending your subject lines and the actual physical body of, of your emails. You yeah. shouldn't be sitting behind your computer screen, brainstorming a new way to approach the topic of that week's newsletter or a way to describe this product from like scratch anymore. I think mm. you should, as a business owner, you know, or a marketer, you should always use your human brain on these things and tweak it and validate it, but you should not suffer from writer's block and staring at a blank cursor ever again. I would yeah. say it's like yeah, the yeah. most immediate yeah. way that you should be introducing AI into the way you actually generate content. And of course your email content today, and there's mm. nothing blocking you from that. Yeah. But I think when we think about the larger, longer term picture mm. of AI and big data and all these types of things, there's a few ways. And, you know, when you look at big data, there's like the three V's. It's volume, velocity, and variety, basically, you know, as a result that now we all have access to more data more mm. frequently and of a more varied type. That's basically what this big data means. And then what I think with email marketing, it will just continue to enforce like these three P's, which is personalization, predictability, and precision. Because now, as we mentioned with this zero and first party data, you have information about these people and you should be using it. And personalization doesn't just mean, hello, Abby, I have an offer for you. That's one core piece that we all should be doing for many, many years now to just, you know, when you see your name, you like it in your brain and you're more yeah. likely to click things. but. It helps you just be more relevant, but sending the types of things that I have now a ton of external data sources that I could get access to depending where I'm located in the privacy laws that I can use to make some assumptions or make some predictive recommendations about what people will be interested in and when. And that's like, so personalization just means being more relevant to what a human individual human being is more likely to be engaged with and want. And the predictability part and there's new tools that are like embedded with these really smart AI solutions already that are starting to make these 
predictive recommendations of other products. So you're not having to manually map or create any type of like smart algorithm that if somebody liked this red t-shirt, I should recommend these blue sneakers. Mm. We can take a combined amount of data from your customers or other customers similar to, to your type of offering who engaged with, looked at, purchased this type of product and based on any number of demographic and behavioral criteria can make some fairly suggestive, you know, trusted recommendations about other types of products they're most likely to buy and then automatically populate that in your content. I mean, this omni-channel marketing was one thing that was being discussed, which is basically, you know, there, you have one human being that you market to from many different types of marketing channels, text messages, website notifications, emails, direct like anything like all the channels of marketing and you can gauge and monitor how one human being engaged with that to make you some decisions and now the next step after that is this concept of like autonomous marketing like everything has to be self-driving now i think in the future <laughs> five to ten years where your emails the content of your offerings of your landing pages that represent you know that um, present your products the emails that market them will probably be pre-configured they will come populated with segments of customers already recommended for you, pre-configured with the content that we say that you should send to them with the products. You should probably have a look, make sure it's legit with your human brain and schedule to send it. So I think that is probably really where we're headed mm. is this, your campaigns based on all the data that everyone can gather and have and within platforms will be configured for you. The content will be there and you just need to check that it's legit and you're right, you, you approve of this message basically. And then mm. you proceed on. I, I think that's not far away at all. Yeah, A lot of what you talk about and, and the examples you give are, they tend to lean towards, and, and not just you specifically, but you know other people that you speak to about it as well, this kind of thing leans towards bigger companies, you know, that maybe got hundreds of products and need AI to help with recommendations. Um, does this, do these developments because of the the nature of uh, AI, do they lean towards helping big brands stay big? Are they going to limit smaller brands? Um, you know, because obviously if I'm only selling two or three SKUs, is AI really going to help me with my suggestion engine of what I should be emailing my customers because I've got like three products, right? So do you see a world, do you see a world where this helps big brands stay big and stop smaller brands growing or are there advantages for smaller brands too? Yeah, it's a good question. Of course, you know, it seems like unfortunately much of technology is always directed at helping the big successful remain bigger and more successful than everyone else. And then, Right, it kind of trickles down to how the regular people can actually use parts of this technology to support their own businesses. So I most definitely don't think that this is going to be just relegated to, to larger brands at all who have tons of data and you know tons of SKUs that they want to actually market to their customers. And I would go back to my previous, my initial point about how AI, I think AI is helping any marketer or any person who has something to sell online today is saving them time. Even if you just have a couple of products to sell to your customers, you're, you're probably very busy with many other tasks and e marketing those products via email is just one small part of you being a business owner and you actually you know looking to, to sustain and hopefully grow your e-commerce business. I hope you would use the time that you're not sitting behind 
a computer screen, thinking and brainstorming how you can pitch this product in the best way to be talking with your customers, to have actual human to human interviews and calls with them to learn more about what they're interested in, how you could better serve them in the future, what maybe future product lines you could go into. So this is the most basic way I think that it can help businesses of all sizes is to let these magical AI wizards do these things for you so you can do the things that we're best at, which is human connection and really making these types of relationships with our customers so you can figure out how to grow what's the next product line you could go into and you're not you know bogged down with a lot of manual tasks that you should not really be wasting your time with anymore yeah yeah great thoughts uh, final question just on um you mentioned when we were talking about AI, um, you know, big data, etc. Personalization, segmentation. Obviously, we know that that's a big part of successful email marketing. Um, but for again, someone that's new to the idea of personalization, hyper personalization. You know, lots of buzzwords here. But um, can you give us a little bit of a, a run through again of how a how a brand owner can utilize? that kind of personalization to help them grow their business and then be talk, talk to us a bit about get response as well um what is it that you guys are doing that's maybe unique in the market in solving some of these problems we'd love to love to hear some more about that for sure so you know the hyper personalization is really again using the information that you have about your customers and probably then creating relevant groups relevant recipient groups we call it segments is, is the you know little industry or mm -hmm. specific platform yeah. jargon we've got, right? Which is just a group of people that have some things in common and who ought to probably all receive this, some form of this email content that you're looking to send that is promoting a particular product. It probably will have different color schemes, a different layout, a different tone of voice. And then what you can do to then make sure that each individual recipient gets the most personal experience that they can is, you know, most uh, you know, email marketing providers will have very foundational table stakes tools and solutions that help you automatically populate the actual text of your email and some content of your email with subscriber specific information. This can be, as I mentioned, as simple as somebody's name that they provided you when signing up, but also a myriad of other data points that hopefully would now be these first party data points that you have about, hey, I saw that you had a look at this product, you know, a couple weeks ago, I noticed you were browsing this part of my website. I think that you would be interested in these mm. solutions from us, or this is what's coming up for us next. Would you like to get on the waiting list? So it's just about creating groups of people that all seem to be interested in a similar thing, a similar thing, a similar product that have something in common with each other. And then using a you know, it's called sometimes dynamic content is a specific terminology, custom field data. It's just something that basically is automatically populated in the email with that subscriber's personal detail once you actually send this email out to the group of people that you've selected. And, you know, we've all seen when this fails, even the biggest professional brands mess this up where you see brackets, hello, first name, mm. and it's from like you know, yeah. Amazon or something. It happens. <laughs> so whenever you do decide to start you know, wading into the waters of personalizing your content with um, subscriber uh, and customer details that you cannot see when you're actually typing your email, but you have to trust their config, you know, they will be automatically populated. You have to just test it. You should definitely have yourself subscribed to lists in your like, email marketing provider as a customer. You should actually mm -hmm. create many different types of 
aliases for yourself and pseudo customers and test these things. So you don't just like kind of throw a Hail Mary on a, a new mm. cool personalization tactic that you're trying out and then send it to, you know, hundreds of your hundreds of your customers. Definitely create test environments, test lists. I've got 700, I think, basically mm. aliases <laughs> at this point that, you know, account for a myriad of different languages and currencies and lots of different things that we're testing to see, will they have a bigger impact, but I tested on myself and our team first before we actually deploy. So that's a big recommendation also when you start getting into hyper personalization is that when you do that, you're increasing the number of dynamic text fields that you can't actually pre, you know, see exactly how they're going to be filled until you fully send a message. Of course, there are previewing options and things that you can do, but I always recommend real life testing by putting yourself in the different profile examples of the customers that you're targeting and deploy a lot of tests for yourself mm. before you actually fully go live whenever you're testing yeah. out some of these new tactics. Yeah, great yeah. tip. I, um, thankfully, I don't um, actively send too many of our emails now. I've got someone that, that does that because I still get nervous every time. You know, if I, I go know. in to send, send one at the weekend and, and she's not working, I'll like go in and do one myself. And I'm like, I'm, I hope I'm doing this right. I hope I've remembered it. I hope I've got the right people on this email. I know. You know sending know. it to thousands of it's, people. I, that, that never gets easier. It's nerve-wracking. It doesn't. Yeah. And you should check it on your phone and desktop, mm. right? I mean, like, there's so many ways like mobile uh, optimization feels like it should be like a default since we all live on our phones. But I think even myself who, you know, unfortunately I'm on my phone way too much, but you get in your professional life, you're used to working on your computer and that's so much of what you do. So you're testing your emails on your computer and validating, cool, it looks good, but then you forget to pick up your phone uh, and mm -hmm. maybe see if your friend who has a different type of phone as you what is their experience yeah. like? So that's also another way. And another thing that an email marketing provider can help you know is what platforms are your mm. customers using to yeah. open your emails? Like what mobile devices do they have and what um, email you know, service providers like you know, Gmail or mm. Outlook or whatever. So you can actually then validate. I know 90% of my subscribers are using Gmail and 70% mm. of them open it on their phone. So you should definitely make sure you have a way to test how your phones mm. look, uh, yeah. how your emails look on, you know, the, the Gmail app on yeah, an iPhone, yeah. for example. Yeah. yeah, I looked at our um, list the other day, actually, and it, it does, our uh, provider shows, it talks about um, the email provider, and it's, cr it's crazy how dominant Gmail is. It is. It is. I think, you know, and like, like I mentioned, aliases, like we all also create many different aliases of our one Gmail account. Mm as well and there, there can be multiple people multiple people on your list that mm. are the same person but they have many different gmail aliases also which it could be overrepresented yeah. sometimes i think but yeah you should when in doubt i would say optimize for gmail and for mm. mobile to be honest in particular if you know more about your clients like if, if your customers are you know if you're in the b2b world you can maybe make some assumptions that people are checking your business email when they're working on their computers mm. but most of us we I mean, I personally use email as like a distractor when I'm in line somewhere. Like I finally mm. have the time to check my email. So definitely mm. I would default Gmail mobile, making sure your emails look good there yeah, uh, if sure. you did nothing else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's good. Good advice. Um, okay, so just to sort of round us up then, yeah, give us a th some thoughts on GetResponse. What are you guys doing in the space? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I you know, made my big spiel about don't waste time creating content anymore. And that's exactly kind of what we're working on now is, um, you know, we do lots of customer interviews and surveys like all the time. And we did a big, big push back a couple of months ago. And the timing was really, really interesting. We kind of wrapped it up back in early November. 
And a big recurring theme was our customers were saying like, if I had an assistant, they would research my emails and write them for me because I don't have time to create all of this content. Like many of our customers, they have a blog, they have several websites that they're monitoring, they're running their own businesses as like solopreneurs. You know, of course, plenty of plenty of e-commerce owners have a lot that they have to do with their businesses. And email is just one more thing that they know is table stakes, but they don't have time to do it. And then, you know, OpenAI launched ChatGPT and then opened up their AI eventually. Before that, we had some other ways. And we actually decided to natively embed that technology into our email creation process. So you don't have to go into OpenAI. You don't have to have an OpenAI account and pay for it. We're going to do that for you. Uh, cool. And so that when you're creating your email and your subject line, it's a part of your process. So you don't have to start from scratch and we'll generate the entire email for you. So you just give us a few keywords. Because another big problem, I think, or just not a problem, but a learning curve to effectively use some of these AI content tools is how to write good prompts. You kind mm. of have to teach yourself. It's a new skill to learn. To yep. get good, high-quality results, you have to spend some time learning how to write really good prompts for the tool to get what you need. And so what our really talented development team has done is actually found a way to actually, on the front end, make it much easier for our customers to simply select uh, different fields, different things that they want for their email, a few simple sentences about what the email is about, and then we will put together the email content, the layout, the color scheme, the images that they want, and the subject line that goes with it automatically, and then they can get started with customizing it and you know tweaking it to their to their benefit. So they don't have to learn a crazy new prompt. They don't have to have an open AI account, a new tab open. It's a part of their process. And so definitely, yeah. it's, we're already seeing a ton of time savings with our customers and a, a lot of positive results. So that's a a big thing we're coming uh, out with to the you know it'll be global eventually as well. It's starting with English, of course, because um, yeah, we. Yeah. I want them to use use the better translation tools as well to make sure that for our customers that speak other languages and market in other languages have a, a higher quality tool than just like a, an automated translation, which is what's yeah. kind of out there, you know, by default. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. big one coming coming out very, very soon cool. for all free accounts and customers as well. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, uh, is, so that's live now for English. We're in beta for our English customers okay. uh, right now. But then very soon, I hope, keep an eye out. I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to be fully ready also for um, people can create a free Get Response account and try it. I think, very I cool. hope by the end of this month, but, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll go loud oh, when awesome. it's ready. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, honestly, there, there's been so much, um, you know, good stuff in this episode. So much to learn, and I feel like it's, uh, you know, almost like the seed you, that we need to go away and spend hours upon hours learning more about, <laughs> researching more about, because the world is changing, and these are, you know, big, big shifts in the industry that are happening. So, thank you for shining a bit of a light on them. If people do want to take sure. you up on that and, and uh, investigate more about uh, Get Response, where can they do that, and also uh, where can they find out more about you as well sure i definitely highly recommend following get response on linkedin and instagram and youtube they are turning out killer content on exactly what we talked about today it's actionable tips it's recommendations super bite-sized recommendations for how to be more effective with your email marketing um, so it's quick bite-sized fast i highly recommend it uh, so it's just get response on linkedin instagram and youtube and then you know, I am not one of those folks who are doing a great job on my own organic strategy of posting on LinkedIn. Uh, but you can definitely find me, Abby Heeman, on LinkedIn, and then I would happily connect and, and you know support in any way I can for any email marketer who's looking to 
looking to level up. Fantastic. Well, we'll leave all of those links in the show notes and the description below. Abby, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, there you go, guys. A great episode on email marketing. Check out all of the links in the description below. Check out GetResponse and all of the content they are putting out. Uh, the world is changing. Email marketing is changing. E-commerce is changing. So don't get uh, don't get left behind. Check out all the resources. And we'll see you in the next episode, same time next week.